In today's highly competitive mortgage industry, building profitable relationships with real estate agents is essential for success. However, finding effective ways to secure agent relationships can be a challenge. With so many mortgage loan originators vying for the attention of real estate agents, it can be difficult to stand out and establish meaningful connections. Our new case study featuring loan officer Chris Coghill is a must read. Chris has closed a remarkable 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals. And in this case study, he shares his proven strategies for building strong relationships with real estate agents and leveraging those relationships to drive more business. To get your hands on this resource, head over to locastudy.com and download your free copy of the case study today. You'll find actionable insights and practical tips that Chris used to close 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals and how you can too. Don't miss out. Go check it out right now. Visit locastudy.com and download your free copy today. Hey, hey, listeners, what's up, Jeff Zimfer? Welcome to this episode of the Mortgage Marketing Radio Podcast. So glad you are here. All right, all right. So I got a doozy of an episode today. This week, I'm honored to bring to you uh, somebody who I admire greatly. His name is Kyle Seagraves. And uh, what is Kyle known for? Well, Kyle is known for having an amazing presence on YouTube. His YouTube channel is Win the House You Love. He has over 81,000 subscribers. That's right, 81,000 subscribers, subs, as they say in the YouTube space. And I learned a lot from talking with Kyle about how to succeed on YouTube. And let me just tell you, it's not about gaming the algorithm. It's not about keywords and tags. Um, as a matter of fact, what it's really all about is getting really, really clear on who you're ultimately serving, who you're ideal. Like Kyle says, make a video for one person. Who's that one person you have in mind? Most people mis mistake, right, where they go wrong with YouTube is trying to reach everybody, trying to re you know, create a video that's going to be uh, have mass appeal. And Kyle says that's a mistake. And he's learned a lot uh, with uh, what he's been doing over YouTube over the last several years. And if I'm looking at some of his video views, I mean, they're just off the charts, right? I think he said his number one video has over half a million views. Um, but uh, his most recent one just posted as the time of this recording two weeks ago already has 17,000 views. His uh, previous video for the month, 23,000 views. And I look at more and more and more, 10,000 views, 9,000 views, uh, 6,000 views. Um, and so he really knows what he's talking about because he's made the mistakes. He's paved the way for us to learn how to succeed on YouTube with the do's and don'ts and what to prepare yourself for mentally, um, time-wise, content-wise, if you're at all considering creating a YouTube channel and why you should. Here's what I know. Kyle's YouTube channel now generates, if I recall, he tells us on the recording, but if I recall, roughly 300 leads per month. Yeah. So he's doing some incredible things at scale. And I think you're going to learn a lot from this conversation just like I did. So without further ado, let's get into this week's show. I'm just going to start recording. And I can Go piece it. it together. So anyway, See, there I, it is. It's like, you want to jump off here? Um, yeah. So I started doing YouTube really, I, I mean, I joke kind of out of selfishness, but it kind of was in a way like, so I, before doing YouTube was doing bomb bomb. And mm -hmm. so uh, with bomb bomb, right. I was on pace to do some around 800 to a thousand uh, personalized videos a year. So anything right. from like to individual clients, loan quotes, loan estimates, closing disclosures to realtors, whatever I could use it for, I did because Right. Who's going to trust a 22 year old to do their loan for him? So I was like, I have to find some way to stand out. Right. Um, and there, 
it's good on them to have that hesitation on working with a 22 year old who's never originated a loan before. Um, but after a little bit, I just found it, you know, when someone asks you what's an appraisal, you get a little after the hundredth time, you're like, all right, I'm kind of done answering this question. Right. So that is when I started thinking like, how do I take what I'm doing with video with bomb bomb? How do I make it a little bit more kind of evergreen ish? Mm-hmm. So that's when I started doing YouTube of like, um, how can I make a video about what's an appraisal? What is uh, a title report? Just questions that home buyers would have. So I wanted to make this kind of library for my own clients. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a great way to like kind of warm up a lead if they have no idea who you right. are. Right. Instead of hopping on the phone with me, hey, here's a video. Let me know when you're ready. We can talk through some questions that you have. And so it becomes you're positioning yourself more as an educational expert right. rather than a salesperson who's trying to get them to take a loan application. Um, so that's really why I did it. And Let me then ask you this. You, yeah. So you never wanted to, to, you know, create all the templated milestone videos for those same 50 questions you get all the time and just like, because you were doing one-offs, right? For everybody. Yeah. 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 Was that just because you like the personal, you wanted to go to the extra level instead of here's your, your canned video? I didn't really, it's more that I just wanted to get in there and help as quickly as I could. And then you start getting to a point of like, oh, maybe I could turn this into something where it's a little more practical. Right. Uh, you know, maybe I can answer this in one video and now send it to a ton of people and save some time doing it. Right. Um, but I didn't really go into the planning of I'm going to go make a bunch of templated videos and this whole thing. And I think that's sometimes where people mess up is they always want to go. They want to plan out this long term strategy mm-hmm. and but they're not willing to do the things to actually execute. And so right. I think what's more important is like, what can I do tomorrow to just get something moving forward? Mm. At this point, I just need momentum rather than. I see so many people spend hours on strategy and they're never doing anything that actually brings momentum forward. The strategy is just like the path. It doesn't actually move me down the path at all. They're fixing to get ready, right? Like they say in Texas, I'm fixing to get ready. Yeah, Yeah, they're like, great. Okay, then start tomorrow. Oh my God. Exactly, right? Um, Sending this quick email for a second to see if we're actually on for this call uh, because that might be an unexpected gift here today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, side sidebar. What I did is I did a live stream with Megan um, Anderson at MBS Highway. Mm, yeah. And uh, I decided to make my calendar available for anybody who wanted to talk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so I booked I booked twenty five calls from that uh, live stream and just gave people my oh, calendar. Wow. I'm like, go ahead and book a time. Yeah. Right. And this is sometimes people show, sometimes they don't. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I'm du- double checking to see if she's showing today. Uh, not to take anything away from our time together okay oh, so i hope you're good I, no worries i hope you don't feel like i'm like you know just not paying attention to me oh no, no worries <laughs> I'm just, just trying to see if she's here okay so yeah so the light went on and you're like hey man i could instead of doing a thousand videos i could just like do one and post it to youtube and then you wound up directing people there yeah and so it's still i was doing both i was doing personalized videos mainly for like quotes you know I've, i found with like doing personalized video i think it's a great way to start because mm-hmm. uh people will shop your loan as they always do, but mm-hmm. they would, after I started using video, I almost would never lose a loan to somebody else, no matter what the difference right. was in pricing or cost, just because yep. there's that element that no one else is providing. So I was doing mm-hmm. the personalized video still for like quotes, loan estimates, closing disclosures, but transitioning to doing everything more informational in a way where I could make it once and it could be sent out to multiple people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they could learn. And I wanted to make it so like they could see, I could send them one video, but they'd have really, it was like a kind of a library on YouTube mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. here's a bunch of other things um, to just build more trust with people. Right. 
And eventually YouTube just started picking that up. And then that's when I started thinking, oh, well, if my clients want this information, uh, I imagine there's probably a lot of other people who are looking for this nationally too. And did you leave those videos up there or put them on a playlist? Um, I just left them on my channel. So I didn't really start doing playlists until maybe a year-ish into making videos. What's your take on playlists? Because I've had one individual tell me in the past that, mm, no, you like playlists? Uh, I don't really use them. I think it's, it can be used. I think direct, people have, mm-hmm, people make ahead. the mistake of thinking that they can have this channel that serves multiple audiences and right. they can segment it in playlists. Yeah. Your yeah. channel is not about you just because you can serve a bunch of different people. The channel uh-huh. should be for one specific subscriber. Uh, so if you're making videos on buying and selling, those should be different channels, not different playlists. The playlists yeah. are like targeted sections within. Right. And so the, I think playlists can be really powerful for like, at the end of a video, I can say, hey, I have this playlist on the four main types of loans right. and it will walk them through those four main types, uh-huh. but it's all for the same person. Do you have any data on, do, do people actually you know, go to a playlist and search for a particular topic? Um, I can see like the views in a playlist, but it's so insignificant compared to the rest of the channel right. that it's like, it just doesn't seem, I don't think people consume content in a playlist way. Mm-hmm. YouTube and their algorithm has gotten so good at knowing, uh, predicting what somebody would want to see next, mm-hmm. that a playlist almost never is smarter. A playlist that we put together is never smarter than what YouTube is al- already planning on suggesting to that viewer. So do we have two different um, tracks though? We've got the one track of people coming to you and finding you organically right through search, for example. Um, but then what about the people who already subscribed to you? Do you know if they then kind of deep dive on your playlists? It's hard to tell. There's not a lot of data that tells you stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure views coming from a playlist is probably only somewhere around three to 5%, really? at least on my channel from the last time I looked. Um, so there might be people using it, but it's not like, uh, a huge strategy. Do you take a recent video that you've published and then eventually move it to a playlist? Um, sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. And I know that, uh, Daryl Eves, he does some YouTube teaching stuff. We'll talk yeah. about kind of like content buckets of sorts. Right. So keeping everything in like, you know, an, an FHA playlist, a conventional playlist. Right. Um, and again, I think that can help. I just don't see it being this like. I wouldn't spend a ton of energy on everything needs to be planned around playlists um, just because that's not how most people consume content on YouTube. They're normally watching one video and looking at what's coming up next, not necessarily yeah. diving into a playlist um, unless it's like very structured content. Like I have a 10 right. video series or something like that. Um, most people just tend to, they don't tend to gravitate towards the playlist in that way. Did you have to, um, or decide to use playlists just to organize because you have so many videos and get create some organization on the channel? That's the main reason why. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. For um, some peace of mind. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. For yourself. Yeah. And I'm looking at it too. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I just think it's just, just like, um, and by the way, who is your, is it first time home buyers? Is that your target? Yeah. My, my target audience is somebody who's currently renting. They want to buy a home, but there's some obstacle in the way. And for most people that ends up being the financing portion. Uh, wait so a minute, wait a minute, I'm wait a minute, dude, that is, that is like niched, super niched. Yep. <laughs> like most people, oh, first time home buyers, right? And you're like, no, 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 no. Say it again. Who's your target market? Uh, somebody who's renting. They yes. want to buy a house. 
Yes. The obstacle in the way for them primarily is getting a loan. Somebody who's renting. So we already know that you've already separated. They're a renter. They're not a homeowner currently, but they do want to buy. And their obstacle is financing. Mm -hmm. Yep. For the most part, there's a, I also try to target a lot sure. of the other obstacles, but the main one is financing. But for me, what stands out is you, you've actually articulated that they're renting, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's like, I don't hear that every day. Like I hear, oh, first time homebuyers, right? It's like, oh, well, that's a big ass bucket, you know? Yeah. People <laughs> are afraid to, I think people are afraid to kind of narrow down a little bit. Right. What I found is like, I initially started very broad. I did stuff on like budgeting. Everything was tangential to buying a house, you know, budgeting for a house you know, building credit for a house, selling, refinancing, uh, buying on its own. I was doing stuff about you know, realtor specific. I was doing loan officer specific stuff. And what I found is really narrowing down who that person is, mm -hmm. I think is what creates long-term viewers and subscribers. Yeah. Because if we think like if somebody comes in because I had a video on refinancing mm -hmm. um, and they, they look at that and they subscribe, but the rest of my videos are targeted towards first-time buyers, then they're not going to engage with the new content. And so what that tells YouTube is, hey, this person's current subscribers aren't even watching his new videos. Why would YouTube then push it out to a new audience? Right. They wouldn't because they're like, well, his own subscribers won't watch it. We're right. not going to introduce it to new people. And so what I found by really narrowing down who I serve, like the, it kind of does a little hockey stick chart on YouTube of subscriber growth kind of went from this to like right. shot up. Um, I'm just being really explicit about these are the people that I serve, the problems that they're facing, and how I can help them overcome those challenges. So I think, and I've gone through this mentally myself of like trying to really get clear on who do I serve and then yeah. what, like, what do I want to become known for? Like my expertise, right? Did you have to go through a process yeah. or struggle with that at all? Oh yeah. I feel like it's a, it's a daily struggle of trying to figure out like, who is this person that I'm serving and also making sure that you know, we don't get our, in the way of ourselves yeah. because we want to show up in a certain way, but we're also trying to think, is that who I'm actually showing up for? Um, and I, rec I just have to constantly remind myself that because sometimes I'll get questions. And to me, they're like, um, you know, when you're in the, after a while, you kind of get used to the jargon of everything. You understand things um, a little bit more internally. Mm -hmm. And I would get these questions from people and realize, oh, I need to like back up even more. Because I was assuming uh, a level of knowledge or expertise coming into this. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's where it's, I think it's just a daily practice of trying to figure out how do I hear from these people who are watching these videos? Where are they at? What are they facing? And how can I help serve them? Mm -hmm. And make sure that in my head, I'm not taking it in a direction um, just based off of what I want to create, but what is the audience actually looking for and where are they at and how can I help them with that? Hey, hey, listeners. It's your friend, Jeff. Hope you're doing well. Wanted to pop into your ears for just a moment and remind you that if you're looking to quickly and easily get more agent referrals, more quality agent relationships, and do it without chasing, do it without pay to play, and do it with a predictability and a system that works every single month like clockwork, creating conversations between you and real estate agents that you choose who you talk to, you get to, to decide who you work with or not, but one that actually generates referrals for you every single month, so long as you follow the proven plan and system. If that is something that you're interested in, and if you're looking into leveling up your digital marketing game, well, perhaps you'd want to check out the Mortgage Marketing Pro 
membership. Every single month, we've got loan officers teaching classes around the country, getting in front of agents at scale, having conversations at scale, and driving agent referrals. You know, in business, there's a concept I learned years ago from Tony Robbins. And the two things I learned were, number one, if you want to improve, improve your results, get better results or more results more quickly, you need to apply the principle of leverage. Leverage means the ability to do less and accomplish more with leveraged activities. And then the second principle is compression, right? To reach more people in less time. And the concept of talking to real estate agents, instead of one-to-one, you go group. So imagine if you, instead of were one-to-one marketing to real estate agent, onesie, twosie, you were able to actually consistently get in front of 10, 20, 30 agents every single time you wanted to by hosting a class, virtual or in person. And therefore, your conversation goals would happen much more quickly because you're using the principle of leverage with compression, which combines with the law of large numbers, you're going to get better results more quickly. So if you want to learn more about how do we do that, go to mortgagemarketing.pro, check out the short video. This may be for you. That's up to you to decide. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. Your selection of the audience, though, as you described it, that niche, um, is that because that's who you most associate with based on your age? And I don't know if you've bought or owned a home or whatever, but did you choose that audience because you felt most connected to that audience? Yeah, I think it's mainly from, it's a great question because I don't think I've really thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's been, it's been a weird mix of seeing who is the audience that's gravitated towards me. Mm -hmm. um, And then also recognizing who do I enjoy serving. And so I think it's, it's come together well in seeing that a lot of the people who gravitate towards me are people who are really stressed out and frustrated because people are not giving them the information that they are looking for mm-hmm. going through buying for their first time. Because mm-hmm. usually the people going from rinsing to buying are the ones who have the most stress and anxiety and overwhelm about the process. Right. And so I found that a lot of those people have gravitated towards me. And also I really enjoy helping people understand, hey, there's a lot going on here. But if we actually take some time to break it down, you can feel more confident about when you're about to go purchase a home. Um, that way you can feel, you, you can make a better decision. That's kind of why I call it when the house you love. My theory is that the more knowledge you have, the more you understand about the home buying process, the easier it is to win the bid against all of the other people who want the same house that you do. And look at your sub headline too. The channel is win the house you love. Links will be in the show notes, but also the, the sub headline is the calm way to buy your first home. Mm-hmm. like that. How, when did you add that? How soon after? I feel like there's been different iterations, um, but oh. it probably <laughs> took, it probably took, um, I think I've been doing YouTube videos for like two and a half, three years. It probably oh. took two years for me to find that language. So what I started doing is I started taking, I, I have this note on my computer and I call it like voice. And so it's, for me, it's like a brand voice. Anytime someone leaves me like a positive comment, sends me a positive text, sends me a positive email, anything about how the channel helped them or made them feel, I copy paste it, put into a note. And then what I can actually use that for is marketing copy in the future. Mm. And also a way to figure out like, who are these people? What are they facing? How has this content helped them? Um, And so what I started recognizing is the word calm kept coming up. Mm. I would scroll through and I could just keep saying calm all the way down. And then what I started recognizing is I think just 
as I've been trying to be more authentic and who expressing myself through my content, mm -hmm. um, that idea of calm comes through for people. Yeah. And so I've been trying to really double down on that, trying to figure out how do I, I'm not just here to give general real estate information. Right. I want to help people really go from the stress that they're facing because of disinformation and all of the emotionality that comes from finances and purchasing a home and possibly getting denied for a mortgage. And how does my content help them feel more at ease, feel more confident and feel like they're in a position where they have um, really somebody on their side who's advocating for them through the home buying process that mm. alleviates the rest of the stress. Very interesting. Um, clearly from that description, you can tell that you care, right? I mean, you, you, you didn't come out of the gate of going, hey, I'm going to figure out how to game YouTube so I can make a ton, right. of, ton of money, <laughs> right? Right. Sure. I mean, it really, and this is what I see with most YouTubers who succeed. Now, I know there's a thousand different ways to do YouTube, and we're talking about specific for our industry and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing like, you know, will it break or stuff like that, you know? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wish. Well, is that the right name of that show? Will it break or something like that? Will it blend? Remember will that show? Blend. There's will like it blend? Will it blend. There's like the yeah. cut in half one. Yeah. yeah the blender, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's obviously just a different angle, but we're talking about dealing with people and helping them with their, their financing essentially. Yeah. Um, um, God, there's just like so much here. Um, how much time do you spend preparing the content for a given video? That has changed recently. So mm -hmm. what I used to do, I used to write out a bunch of notes, um, that I would have like literally on a piece of paper. And so that would probably take me, uh, maybe 30 minutes and then I'd press record and it would be a one take thing. Mm -hmm. So I was never like, uh, uh, I know people get it all in their head and stuff. And it's like, if you mess up, who cares? Just keep yeah. recording. It's not that right. big of a deal. Yes. Um, and so I first started doing that and would just kind of end up preparing notes on something, doing some research, making sure all my information's as accurate as it can be. Um, and then recording and uploading it. And I was doing that for probably the first, uh, I think I'm about 270 videos now. So probably first 220 videos mm -hmm. were all like that. Just very like, uh, not rehearsed other than notes. And I would literally talk, look at my notes, talk, look at my notes. <laughs> and you would edit and in between? No. No, mm -hmm. you would look down at your nest and there would be no editing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a video right now that has the top video on my channel has around half a million views. Yeah. And it is me. I, I use my iPad now to put my notes on screen, uh -huh. but it will literally be, I'm walking through my notes. I look down, talk about it, look down, talk about it. Um, so People that's a care. 30 minute. It's a 30 minute video and I'm looking at notes talking through it. Um, so I have transitioned a little bit now to kind of doing more of a scripted mm -hmm. um, method. And I, I don't think you have to do that. Mm -hmm. I would suggest people just start any way that they can, but I, I'm learning that kind of as your channel grows, you do have to change strategies at some point. You're just kind of testing stuff, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. And so I'm going to more of a scripted approach where it maybe takes me an hour to plan out kind of a, a loose script. Mm -hmm. And then I actually do use like a teleprompter to run through notes um, and planning out some different shots and things like that. I don't think it's needed in the beginning for most people, mm -hmm. um, but you do get to a point where uh, I think things, you just want to change your strategy a little bit, see what's working, see what's not. Test it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the iPad. Is that your version of a teleprompter or something? Um, kind of. So like I will, I use like... Um, keynote and I will go make literary notes about whatever content I'm speaking on. And I just use an editing software to put 
my screen recording and my iPad, like on half of the screen oh. and then my face is on the other half. Um, and so I do have a separate teleprompter that I use what I do, you know, what I mainly do now, which is having notes on a teleprompter. It's what I'm looking sure. at you through. Right, right. Um, but I didn't start doing that until mm, mm. probably the last few months. Yeah. So only now are you kind of leveling up your production quality, right? Right. And it's always been that way. Like I first started doing videos with my iPhone and then I didn't upgrade my camera until YouTube paid me enough to be able to upgrade it. And it, so yeah. each of it is like each upgrade, it comes from uh, not necessarily necessity, but comes uh, kind of as a result of growth yeah. rather than having this whole setup ready to go at the very beginning. All right. I'm going to do a quick screen share and bring in one of your videos here. You're seeing that, yeah? Yep. Okay. So are you using a um, Vibe board? Uh, no. So I am, it's just an iPad Pro. Okay. I basically take, so that's a keynote slide. So like PowerPoint or keynote uh -huh. with a, uh, I changed the background, but it's probably a black background or maybe a green background. Yeah. And I will screen record it, put it together in, I use Final Cut Pro. You could use uh -huh. Adobe Premiere or whatever. Uh -huh. And then just like green screen out the background. Well, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop sharing. No, <laughs> it's not terrible. It's a pretty cool effect, though. And for those who can't see it, you're basically it's you on video. And then to the looking at a screen to the right of his shoulder, there's bullet point texts. But then you're also writing in red pen on that. You're saying mm -hmm. that was already pre done on Keynote. Yeah. Yeah. So I would just go make the slides, basically export them as an image throw them onto my iPad. I just use um, Adobe Fresco to be able to uh, to draw on top of it, like with a pen. And oh, so, but you are um, drawing in real time on your iPad. Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, so what you see, they're both synced. So like what you see, if I draw on it, it would draw on the screen transparently. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's how it yeah. looks. That's pretty cool. Because the only other way I've seen that done that I know of is, is well, a vibe board is the most recent example I've seen, mm. which, which is pretty cool. I don't know if you've seen those. They're not cheap, though. No, I haven't seen it. They're like 20. Let me go back to this just in case I put this on YouTube. What a concept. Um, <laughs> just so people yeah, can see I, what this I do like. have a lot of people who comment and ask, like, how are you doing this? <laughs> like, I promise you, it's not, it's not that hard. Well, yeah, we were doing a, um, a, a call once with, with uh, my people and Rene Rodriguez was in there and he was on Zoom and he, of course, has the hookups and he's like, hey, you know, can you pin my, my video? And we pin his video and then all of a sudden he turns and he starts writing and it shows up on the, the Zoom mm. just like this. Yeah. You know? Everybody's like, yeah. oh my God, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's really cool. It's engaging for visual effects. You know what I mean? It makes, makes you stand out for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let me get back out of this or else I'll go down that rabbit hole. Um, do you do a lot of testing like on thumbnails? Yeah, I I have a love-hate relationship with thumbnails and it's mainly mm -hmm. hate because um, it just <laughs> feels like uh, the way my brain works is I want there to be a right answer. And with thumbnails and videos <laughs> and everything, there's no right answer, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and so every once in a while, I'll go through and test. What I've found to work a lot better than doing like a long-term AB thumbnail test with something like TubeBuddy mm -hmm. is, and you, you can't really do this until you have like probably a, a few thousand subscribers who are watching right. videos when you put them out. Mm -hmm. um, this, there's no point in doing this in the very beginning because it's not, there's not enough data to do it. Right. But when you start getting people who, when you put out a video, you get a, you know, 
few dozen or a couple hundred people starting to watch, I try to now prepare maybe two thumbnails or two titles mm-hmm. and I'll post it with one mm-hmm. and then I'll kind of wait. And YouTube shows you real-time views. Mm-hmm. So if maybe after 30 minutes, an hour, a couple hours, things are not as uh, maybe high as I would anticipate them as far as like a click-through rate that I would expect average, you know, average on the channel, I'll go ahead and swap out a different thumbnail or a different title mm-hmm. and just see uh, what changed. Did views increase? Did the click-through rate all of a sudden jump through? Right. And it's really interesting because you get a pulse of it on real in real time. Mm-hmm. And so you, I can kind of see the curve if I post a video and it's like, oh, okay, it's doing that, change the thumbnail and all of a sudden it starts growing. Yeah. And so it's this very weird thing that I think uh, some people have mastered as an, like an art <laughs> of figuring out how to get uh, a click without being clickbaity. Um, yeah. And I'm, that's like a skill that I'm slowly trying to develop. Well, you know, Evan Carmichael. I don't. Oh, really? You might want to check him out. He's a big YouTuber as well. Um, he's interviewed like everybody from Tony Robbins to Oprah to you name it. He's got one of the biggest channels out there. Mm. Um, but he is, he is self-proclaimed, but he also hangs out with Daryl Eves and all the other people we know. Sure. Um, I'm just trying to bring him up here real quick. Um, he, uh, I attended a session he did once at uh, Social Media Marketing World or Examiner, whatever, right? And um, he is the self-proclaimed testing you know, guru and has tested every possible thing on his channel. And he, one thing he tests a lot is uh, thumbnails. Mm. And uh, what he established was through all the testing he's done is, and you've heard this before, right? The big, bold text, all that kind of stuff, fully enriched sure. image and quality, but also faces, like faces very, very close, you know, because as you know, everybody's yeah. mobile, right? But um, let me try and find him on YouTube. So I it's amazing it. the change that you'll get in reaction from like, if, okay, so but I was making thumbnails that were like kind of this frame, uh, for people wow. watching. So it was like kind of chest up. And then right. uh, one of my friends who has a, a channel, a, a big YouTube channel was like, hey, just zoom into your face. Right. And so I started doing that. And it's amazing to see the change in click-through rate when your face is just so much closer. Right. Uh, so now it's literally like maybe neck up. Um, yeah, just like just like his are those, it's yep. literally the bottom of the frame is the chin, top right. of the frame is like cutting off hair. Yes. Yeah, and he says that these have far outperformed any other thumbnail he's ever tested, and he's done thousands of them. So mm. I don't know. Pretty. What does he got? Uh, Three million subs. Not too shabby. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Evan check. Evan Carmichael, right? Yeah, Evan Carmichael. Um, yeah, check him out. He's got some resources and stuff like that for YouTube. I actually just signed up for one of his things. So if you want the links later, I'll send them to you. But yeah, let's, let's get back to you. Um, <laughs> Okay, what else am I curious about here? Thumbnail. So we talked about that. Um, I heard you mention on a different podcast the whole idea of tagging and keywords is kind of like not really that important anymore. Is that accurate? Yeah. I do want to say, do you have to do you have to head out? Uh no, do you? Because I didn't prep. I don't. You. Okay. I'm good. So so this is the whole other meeting was canceled. Yeah. So we're good. Okay. Man. Cool. I was sitting here looking at 4 30. I was like, I think you gotta hop off, man. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is like good. way too good. So I'm like, no, she's going to, even though she does a hundred loans a year, I'm like, no, you can wait. I got Kyle Seagraves. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. She's going to start emailing me. Um, All right. Okay. If you, if you need for editing, you, you're welcome to ask me that again. Oh, um, what the hell did I say? <laughs> you asked. Um, oh, sorry. Let me, let me restart. All right. I'll count it down. Three, two, one. So I heard you on another podcast. You were mentioning that uh, tagging and keywords, not so much relevant anymore. 
Yeah. And even YouTube has said that, uh, mm-hmm. where tags are only helpful if it's something that could be, um, I'm trying to think, of, I can't even think of something on the top of my head. If you're talking about, uh, like apples, for instance, I don't know, random example. <laughs> Are you talking about Apple, the company? Are you talking about the fruit? Like what, is, what Apple are you talking about? Tags yeah. can sometimes help add what Google calls a latent semantic indexing keyword in there. Oh. All they're looking at is contextual clues, right? right. If you mention right. Steve Jobs, okay, it's probably talking about Apple, the company, mm-hmm. not Steve Jobs' favorite fruit, the Apple, mm-hmm. right? Is what they're doing there. Um, and so in the earlier stages of Google and YouTube, yeah, it used to be keywords, tags, all that kind of stuff where you could kind of game the system a little bit. Right. But YouTube and Google now have become really smart with their mm-hmm. uh, you know, algorithms that everyone's afraid of. Right. Um, but I think it actually relieves a lot of pressure because the system used to be, I have to try to game the system, learn the algorithm to then figure out how do I please the algorithm. Yep. And what Google and YouTube have done is they've designed the algorithm now to not care a single bit about any of your tags or your metadata or anything like that. They're only cared about, only care about the viewer's experience. Mm. And so um, they call these like signals uh, mm. that affect the, the view basically. Mm-hmm. And so the, the analogy that I like to think about is um, let's say like you are watching a, so let's say I'm watching TV. All right. Mm-hmm. So there's a TV in front of me, obviously like light shining on my face. I'm sitting there watching it. Mm-hmm. And let's say YouTube is in the room. And it's off. YouTube's off to the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people think that YouTube is looking at the TV to see is the show good, right? Is the show colorful? Is it engaging? Is it fast? Is it funny? That's what everyone thinks YouTube is doing, and that's what YouTube used to do. It used to look at the show and see is this a good show or not. If it is, then we show it to more people. Right. It's now changed where YouTube doesn't even look at the show anymore per se. They've actually zoomed over and they just look at the person watching. Mm. So they want to see how long did they, we don't even care what the show is. Did they watch that show for a long time? Uh, Did it create some sort of emotional response? Did they go and watch other, that same channel? Did they go and watch different types of videos? What did they do? Or did they click on it? And then they immediately went to something else. Mm. And so that's all YouTube and Google do now. So they don't really care about, that's why you see videos rank uh, with millions of views. And the, the title is not engaging. The, the thumbnail isn't engaging at all. Um, and, but it will have millions of views because the viewers really liked watching it. And that's mm-hmm. what YouTube wants is they want to create a good product that people enjoy. Um, and so they found that pleasing their viewers, showing them more videos that make them happy um, and engaged is what helps grow YouTube. Okay. So watch time, engagement, things like that, for sure. Um, how does that then come into play, though? Keywords like, you know, I'm bringing up an example here of a real estate agent, and for 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 agents or anybody who wants to get found in search of like, you know, let's say people are, I want I want to get in front of um, people moving from California to Vegas or from wherever mm-hmm. to Austin, Texas. You know what I mean? And, and play into that whole thing. Are you saying it's really not going to be keyword based? It's going to be all on your content. So they work kind of simultaneously. So keywords are, uh, they're a part of like um, how we interact as people with content. Mm -hmm. And so I really think the best way to create content, and the reason why I think there's a lot of pressure off because you're not figuring out this algorithm is because think of it like you're giving a talk. 
Okay. So think of it like you're you're hosting a meeting with somebody else or you're giving a talk to, to first-time buyers. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to give a talk to people in Austin, Texas, I am going to name the talk, you know, buying a home in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. because that's what resonates with people. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go and try to stuff keywords because that's what I think YouTube wants. And so keywords are effective, but they're effective from the lens of how do we communicate with other people? How do I tell somebody else what this and what this content is about? Sure. Right. Uh, I think the mistake that people make is they go and see a bunch of different keywords and they think they just have to plan for the keyword. Yeah. And we, we have to remember that like Google and YouTube are actually not interested on keyword based search. They actually function based on intent based search. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is the intent behind the person looking for the video? Because mm-hmm. I can make a video about, um, for instance, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a, a good example here. Uh, if the, if the keyword is what is an appraisal, mm-hmm. my video about what to do when your appraisal comes in short actually might rank at the top, mm-hmm. even though someone else's video is called what is an appraisal. Mm-hmm. If my video more clearly articulates what an appraisal is um, and helps people overcome all the challenges that they were looking for based on the intent of their search, then that video is going to rank higher there. So keywords are important in that way. Like YouTube helps us see what other people search for, right? but it's only from the perspective of uh, how do I communicate? How do I communicate with a person? I think it's the main thing to succeeding well on YouTube is like create content for people and YouTube will reward you. Well, are the keywords an indicator of what people are consuming or searching for? Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the keywords, What's great is the YouTube search uh, predictions show you exactly what other people are searching for, mm-hmm. not right. what like the YouTube algorithm wants. It's what other people are searching for. Right. And so it's, a, it's the same thing. If, if a bunch of your friends were like, I would love to, I don't know, none of my friends would do this. I'd love to know more about how to buy a home. Would you put together like a talk on that? Like, <laughs> okay, great. That's the same thing. I'm getting that information from other people right. and just making content that helps people is what will succeed. And have you used that technique to influence or, you know, yeah, influence content that you would produce? Uh, the keywords? Yeah. Search. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, I mainly started doing videos through search. And mm-hmm. if I could do it again, I'm kind of torn on it. If I could start from the beginning, I don't think I would have. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it can be an effective strategy, but it's a long process. Mm-hmm. So basically the search strategy is go find what YouTube is predicting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, how, to, what is an appraisal? What to do if my appraisal comes in short, make videos on that. Um, the only problem is YouTube search is just such a smaller portion, uh, of, of YouTube videos being watched. I believe oh, okay. YouTube search only accounts for around 25 to 30% of YouTube traffic. The rest okay. is all suggested. Um, and so uh, if that's the, if those are the actual numbers, why would I focus a ton of time on search? By suggested, you mean suggested videos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. where the bulk of your of viewership comes from is YouTube looking at what you've already watched your watch time, all that, and then deciding, Oh, they'd probably like something uh, on this. Yeah. And that, that was my mistake in the beginning was I was making stuff that was way too niche down mm-hmm. because I was only focused on search, which mm-hmm. again, I don't think it's terrible, but you're, you're serving a much smaller audience looking for very specific search terms. Like, um, you know, will my eviction help me or count against my mortgage approval. That's not going to be suggested to a bunch of people. This is a very like niche, very, very niche audience uh, for somebody searching. So somebody, there might be a few thousand people who searched that over a year. Great. They saw my video. Cool. 
Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more power, I think, in trying to find what can I make that is um, creates an element of curiosity for people where if they saw this, they'd be really interested in watching it. And so that's what search is mainly driven off of is what is content that's engaging to people who would be interested in that topic. Um, and so it's, it takes a lot more creativity and it's a lot harder, I think, to figure out what works there. Mm-hmm. But I would have gone back and focused more on that. And I think finding what works well in search comes down to narrowing down who is the person that you're serving. Because when you can articulate, these are the pain points they have, this is what they want, uh, this is the frustrations they're facing, these are the questions that they have that are unanswered, that's what will work really well in search, in my opinion, um, than just a search-based strategy. So the answer to that, the pain points, the struggles, like, you know, solutions you solve, um, that arguably should come from your own understanding of your consumers, your, your, your ideal client mm-hmm. and all your customers, yeah. right? And prospects. That's, that's what should probably feed um, your video topics is that deep understanding, right? Of your market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the hard part too is like, this is stuff that I'm just now learning and implementing over the past like three to four months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So I by no means had any understanding of this. And like, yeah. it took me, it took me a year, I believe, if I remember correctly, to get a hundred subscribers. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. And so it's like, it's like, man, like I, I wish I would have focused more on the suggested side uh-huh. and maybe had a little bit more, more of a better understanding of how it all worked. Yeah. Um, because I think that I probably would have been a little bit further ahead if I focused on that. So how important then is the headline of the video, what I'll call the headline, the title? Yeah. I think the title is really important. Um, yeah. Not from a perspective of how do I trick YouTube into right. this, right. but just in like, what is something that's engaging to people? Yeah. And again, that's, that's something that's like hard to figure out because you might think something is engaging and does something else works a lot better. Isn't, is not this make sense? The thumbnail and the text that's on the, on the thumbnail, if there is, and then the title of the video, AKA headline, that's like the ad for the video to get people to click. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the ad or like the branding for it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, any products that we use, a lot of times we use them because we fall in love with the brand and the way that it makes us feel. And so videos in, in that same way are like your thumbnail, your title are basically like the branding or the advertising around that video. Why should somebody even watch it? Um, and it's frustrating. The reason I kind of hate, love and hate the game, that part of it is like, you can make this awesome video and have a really crummy title and thumbnail yeah. and no one will watch it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. I know. That's the difficult part. Um, and I got to give you a shout out though, man, you did a, um, hour-long video on Oregon Oregon banning the home buyer love letters. I'm like, an hour? <laughs> <laughs> so this How do you do an hour on that? <laughs> so this is something new that I've, I've kind of found out. And this is a lot of, I'm taking cues from a lot of other people who have done this. Um, basically, I, I used to do live streams and they kind of be a general Q&A. So hop mm-hmm. on, people ask questions, you answer them. And normally do that for like an hour or two. Um, but then... What I found is you can also do the first maybe 20 minutes talking uh-huh. about a topic and then jump into Q and A. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so that's been most of what that is, is like, I didn't spend an hour talking about it. Oh, that was first, a live stream. Yeah. So it was oh, a live was. stream. So like first, uh, probably 15 to 20 minutes was covering that. 
and then we jump into Q and A afterwards. But it's it's more engaging than just you know homebuyer Q and A is something. But then if I actually have a topic to gather people around, um, usually creates some more viewership uh, jumping into the Q and A. Yeah, I'm looking at that video. I'm like, uh, and you're in optimal blue during this video. I'm like, why are you in optimal blue while talking about the home, the love letters? What's what's yeah. the connection? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody asked about like, oh, okay, what are average rates or something pricing? And uh, yeah, so I normally send people over there so I don't, um, you know, I don't want to have to actually say what a mortgage quote is. Uh, and be liable for that. <laughs> so in, a, in the live stream, you're doing a screen share. And I guess if you're doing a teaching live stream, that makes sense. Um, and I've looked at some of your other videos. Um, you've got some B-roll. You think B-roll is important? I don't know if B-roll. I think B-roll is important from a perspective of like, I'm just learning more about trying to create stuff that helps people watch it longer and stay more engaged. Because mm -hmm. most of my videos have been me just sitting and talking at a camera. Maybe right. there's notes on screen. Mm -hmm. um, and what I found is like, okay, if I test out adding some extra footage in there right. uh, or just anything to change it up, increases people wanting to watch it longer, which tells YouTube, hey, this is an even better video. And YouTube pushes it out to more people. Um, and so I think a lot of it is like, there aren't rules about it. Cause again, there, there are channels that are huge. Like what is it, clear value tax, I think. All of his thumbnails are just screenshots. He just sits there and like basically like passive aggressively yells at people about <laughs> tax advice. Really? And but his channel is huge. Um, whereas other channels have like super, you know, ultra production to them. Right. And so I think right. a lot of it is you're just you're just testing out, seeing what works. For a long time, I was just doing one camera angle, looking at the camera, talking, and I just want to test adding some B-roll and found right. that that increased watch time. Yeah. Um, by like a minute on average, which is right. huge. Um, you know, when you go from like a six minute watch time to a seven minute watch time is awesome. Mm. Um, and that just helps you to push your videos out even further. Yeah. That's what I, back to Evan Carmichael for a second, I was briefly glancing at some of his, uh, you know, statistics and data research that he had done. And that's, uh, what kept that top of mind for me is like, he had the similar data and that, you know, the cutaways, the, 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 all that kind of jazz. And that's obviously yeah. a little bit higher production quality. I'm not saying everyone should start there. Absolutely not. But yeah. when, when you think about, uh, commercials and music videos and movies, you know, a lot of that has that moving on the screen to keep our brain engaged, you know? Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, because I know I was this way too, like I listened to stuff in the beginning about like creating YouTube channels and everyone's telling you, you have to make this, you know, you have to do skits and you have to do all this like crazy stuff. <laughs> you know, again, it goes back to the, like planning out the full strategy of it rather than just starting. And it, it really is you, it's no different than you picking up anything else or practicing anything else, right? If I want to go learn how to ski, I can't have the anticipation that I'm going to like go up there and then be like great at skiing. I have no clue what's involved in skiing. Uh, I'm probably gonna like break a couple things. It's going right. to be really ugly, but like that's, yep. that's my expectation. There's something that happens with a video where people assume, and it's probably because it's a very public thing mm -hmm. that it has to be this fully produced thing. I have to be completely ready to make this awesome video when I first start. And it's like, think of like the first time you did a, a loan or the first time you worked on a, a, a real estate deal is like, it wasn't great. You were not the best realtor promise. Right. <laughs> like, no. no one is, no. but you grow into that. Yeah. And each thing that you do gets a little bit better, a little bit better. And that's the same thing I'm doing is like the first video was me walking around my neighborhood with an iPhone. 
Like that was not great, but each video gets a little bit better as you practice and practice. And I think for a lot of people, it's just the, the hard work is showing up and getting into the habit of becoming somebody who creates content. Mm. That's the hardest piece. And so I really think like, I think that, you know, doing stuff like B-roll and thumbnails and production and all that is a great thing to work towards. Yeah. But the best way to start is like, you have an easy way to record. You have the information, you know, what clients are asking you just do something to start there Mm -hmm. and then make it the goal. Okay. Next video I do, I'm going to try to make it a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and just keep up the practice of making video like you would anything else. Amen. And uh, you got to be willing to suck when you first start, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and just, just keep going. Have you, do you know, uh, have you heard of Jennifer Beeston? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you have? Okay, great. Yeah. I had her on the show as well. And she's obviously leveled up her channel. Uh, yeah. But I just pulled her up right here just out of curiosity. So yeah. And I noticed I followed her. She's, she's recently gone with the full, full rich colors on her thumbnails and big, bold text. And the one thing still missing, of course, is like the face closer, but you know, who am I? She's crushing it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Um, all right, let's go back to your channel here before we wrap up. Uh, I was noticing the screen share. Um, <laughs> what is your production? Do you batch film? How do you get this content out? And how often are you uploading videos? I think people who batch film uh, probably need to see a therapist. I don't know how anybody <laughs> does that. <laughs> do you do that? I have, yes. Oh yeah, my gosh, but I, but I there's don't, no way. No. There's no, put it this way. I'd like to think that that's the way I'm going to produce more content. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think people have that mindset because people take video as a thing that they, they don't want to do it to begin with. Right. Um, and I think that again, you have to build the habit of you are somebody who creates content. Somebody who's in the habit of creating content doesn't do it on an off day and batches it because they hate doing it. Um, I just don't think that that's a, I've never seen that to be like a sustainable thing. Just to be clear, what I mean by batch is you carve out a half a day and you film your five or 10 videos in that span Mm -hmm. for the whole month. You know, I don't know if that that made sense on that, but that's what I meant by batch. The only time I've, I've never seen anybody, maybe I'm wrong, do that Mm -hmm. and like do it at a sustainable pace. So, but, but here's the flip side of that. All right. As the other side of the coin is like, okay, if I don't plan it out, right. And have a designated day, and maybe you're just saying you're going to plan out and carve out one week for a certain time of window. But I think the challenge is to your point is like, everybody's super busy. And I I have to think, I have to like plan out my content. What am I Mm -hmm. going to say? What are my bullet points? I got to get my camera or phone set up, my lighting, blah, 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 blah. Like that takes time. Sounds like a time suck, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if it, if it works for you, great. I just mm. don't, <laughs> I've never, I just That's haven't seen anybody do it well. Well, then how do you do it? Um, how do you do it? You, how many videos way, are you uploading a week? Uh, right now I'm doing about once a week. So I normally do one a week and then okay. one, um, one live stream. Okay. I was doing one, I was doing five a week uh-huh. at one point in the very beginning and yeah. then have kind of slowed down. Um, I'm working on some, uh, a digital product and then I'll probably scale back up to doing more videos after I'm finished with that. Uh-huh. But um, I literally do one video at a time. And there's also a flexibility that comes with that because I want to see what's hap- mm. what's changing, right? Is there a new program that happened that I true. need to talk about? Is there something changing in the market that I need to talk about? And there's there's a thing with batching. I just feel like you become really disconnected from what you're creating. Um, and, and maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe that works really well for some people. Uh, but there's a connectedness that I think comes with saying, I'm going to create this video 
put the full thing out, then mm -hmm. work on the next one. I have, cause I'm investing my full energy into that video mm -hmm. and not just this, like, I'm just throwing stuff out. People can tell when you're just throwing things at the wall and hoping that you're getting some return from it. Right. Right. I'm and smart. so I think there's, I think there's a, a more of an investment from like, I'm just focusing on one video. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I have tons of, uh, I, pro I probably have around 300 video ideas like saved yeah. in a note um, and kind of have them categorized. Like here's my next, probably my next 10. Uh, here's, you know, the rest of them. But um, so I, I always have like a catalog of videos I can go to. Mm -hmm. That way I'm never sitting there wondering like, what am I going to make a new video on? Right. But I like to have some flexibility with uh, what I want to create in the future too. Okay. Real quick. Um, I'm in your about section, your description and the links you've gotten here, get a loan officer referral anywhere in the U S so that's a form they go to fill out. Right. Mm -hmm. And are you giving any um, call to actions in your video? Yeah. So I have been, I used to not, Mm -hmm. And I've learned that I probably need to do that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've also learned to like, not, there's this weird balance of not being too pushy. Um, yeah. People don't really like right. pushy Absolutely. things, especially that's, in real estate. Everyone's. And that's not why they're on YouTube either. Yeah. 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 People get a heightened sense of that, especially in real estate. Um, and so I will make some like very more subtle or contextual call to actions. So for instance, if I have like a free tool for people to use, I give that if it's only in context that like fits naturally. If I'm talking about what their debt to income ratio is, great, I have a free tool about debt to income ratio that can help them out. But it's not just a random plug at the end. Um, and it's never just a, hey, call me when you're ready kind of thing. Um, it's always contextual to that video. Mm -hmm. So it fits in really cleanly because then it becomes a next step right. rather than just a sidestep uh, call to action. So you're doing the end cards and all that? Yeah, I will do the end cards to reference a next video to watch. Mm -hmm. um, I found that that works really well. Uh, the click-through rate normally on that is, it depends on the video, normally around like five-ish percent, which is great. Yep. Um, it depends like five to 10%. But basically it's going from like a, you know, if I'm making a video about FHA down payments, the next mm -hmm. video I want them to watch is, uh, you know, what's the next logical step? Like, oh, well, if you learn about down payments, here's the rest of the guidelines. Here's my video on 2021 updated guidelines for FHA, feel free to watch it right here. Um, so what's the next logical step for somebody watching your current video to watch the next one? And you are not repurposing your content across other platforms? Mm -mm, no. Is that, is that, what's the decision behind that? Is that Cause I heard you before. Uh, you really, I don't yeah, want yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> is it because you're not active on those platforms or it's extra work or what is it? Um, both like, I'm not really active on any other platforms. I don't have Facebook. Uh, I have Instagram. I use it like for personal use. Sure. Uh, I don't really do anything business wise with it. Um, I have a TikTok account, but I use it again for personal. It's not like, uh, I don't have videos of me dancing, so don't try to find them. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. The, I, I don't know. I just have not seen, I don't see a lot of benefit from it. But I think that it could work. You do have a podcast. I do have a podcast. Uh -huh. Yeah. So we're just repurposing the audio. Yeah. So I will take, just rip the audio from the video, mm -hmm. upload it to a podcast. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. You already recorded it. Um, yeah. The next step that I am working on is repurposing those into blog posts. Um, so I'm kind of working on a website redesign and then we'll do the same thing. Take popular videos, uh, basically transcribe them and then repurpose it into a blog post. So one piece of content that video made now becomes two extra pieces of content that people can find.
Okay, so two things when, as we close out here. I want to close out by talking about um, how this started to impact your business in terms of inquiries for loans and you know all that kind of jazz production. And then I, I know you shifted your role from originating to something different. You're welcome to describe that or not. And I can sure. ob- obviously edit this to whatever degree we need to. But um, at, was there at some point where um, you did start to you know have people get you know hit you up to, to, to uh, fill out applications for loans? Yeah. Even when I had around a hundred subscribers, I would get people who would reach out and um, ask if I could help them with a loan. The nice thing about you know working on the loan side is you can do multiple states uh, mm-hmm. in like a whole state area. Realtors have a much harder time because they can only drive right. within, you know, 30 ish minutes. Um, but yeah, I, when I near the end of me stopping originating, uh, most of the loans I was closing were from YouTube, which is awesome because you don't have to do the whole, you know, chasing after realtors thing, which is really nice. Um, and now, so I, right now I, I stopped originating. I just do the education full-time um, and it depends on the month, but anywhere to 300 to 500 uh, people requesting to be connected with a loan officer per month. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Congratulations. Well, thanks. Yeah. It, it's weird. It drives uh, a, a lot of interest just from people who um, want to see and and even like before again it was like even around 100 subscribers it's like you're still going to get people reaching out to you yeah. um, and you can create a really great business just from a small YouTube channel I'll give you a success report from today somebody that uh, is in our uh, little uh, you know small elite group of loan officers um, she's been on YouTube what did she say I don't know if she said eight nine months something around there might even be 12 but um she just this past week got two deals for over a million dollars total. Mm, yeah. Right? And she's in California. So one was like 750, yeah. the other one was like smaller, but you know, boom, there you go. Yeah, it's so. wild. <laughs> and there's and, a lot and, of upfront work. Yeah. Yeah, but here's what you know. You know it's like there's less sh- selling, there's less like oh what's your price and that and now you know these people this one in uh, one individual happened to be a one was one was purchased one was refi and now you take that purchase and uh you're like hey do you have a realtor already you want to buy no i don't have a realtor oh right yeah golden golden ticket let me give yeah. uh, one of my vip realtors this seven hundred fifty thousand dollar purchase <laughs> right yeah did you do a lot of that like uh teeing up the leads for realtors too yeah i would i would try to um i i very quickly transitioned from doing like most of my business being from youtube to like i think i'm just gonna switch over to doing this full time yeah and then um some my dad's company will take care of of those people who are in uh, florida tennessee and ohio mm-hmm. um and so i didn't grow it into this like huge youtube network thing for realtors um right. just because i was like i you know i'm not a huge fan of originating I don't think a lot of people are. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? I think I I like doing the education side a lot more. Um, So transitioned into that. But it is nice to be able to have the role reversed a little bit of instead of trying to go after a realtor, spending all this time, they finally send you somebody and they're, you know, they had a bankruptcy yesterday or whatever to being able to say, hey, I have this pre-approved person. They're fantastic. All they need is for you to help them find a home and we can get this finished. It's just a much nicer change of pace that way. hundred percent. All right. For anybody who wants to connect with you, um, let me guess, where should we send them? Probably YouTube. <laughs> YouTube is a great place to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but the name of your channel is win the house you love. I love that. Fantastic. Um, 
So listen, man, appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. Listeners, go follow him. Go, you know, learn from him. Anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off? Really just, you just got to start. Mm-hmm. Like start now, just make a quick video. It doesn't have to be long. Something to help people. That's the best way to get started other than trying to pull up, plan out the whole strategy. Um, really just got to start making content and videos. And don't necessarily early on get all hung up on view count and stuff like that. Yes, that's kind of an indicator, but this is what I tell people is like, if you're considering going on YouTube, like don't even consider it if you're not willing to put in at least a year. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Or more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be a long-term, it's gotta be a like, can I, will I do this for the next three to five to 10 years? Not a, I made five videos. Where's everybody at? Cause that's just not how YouTube works. Right. And I've had a fair amount of those come through as well. It's just like, I've yeah. done four videos. Where's my leads? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dad said that to me. He, he started a YouTube channel too for, for realtors and he made, he made 16 videos, which is great. But then he was like, where's everyone? Mm-hmm. It's been, it's only been uh, two months. Like, yeah, yeah. They're going to, it's going to take a while. All right. We'll do the, I'm going to sign off to my listeners, but hang out for a second. So, hey, everybody, if you like this episode, you know what to do. Leave us a review and make sure you join the uh, Facebook group over there at Mortgage Marketing Radio. Uh, We appreciate you and we'll see you on the next one. Well, there you have it. You heard from Kyle Seagraves, how to create a YouTube channel that gets you business. Hope you learned a lot from that like I did. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Bye for now. Hey guys, what's up? Real quick, uh, you've heard about the Mortgage Marketing Pro membership before, and I just want to quickly remind you if that you're in a place in your business where you simply need more purchase loans, you need to fill your pipeline with purchase business, let's just face it, agents are still a solid pillar of business and sources of purchase business for you. Well, good news. Our Mortgage Marketing Pro membership helps loan officers like you close more loans without the hassle of chasing agents or cold calling. Done for you agent classes, expert training videos, a marketing automation platform that automates the entire process for you, everything you need to build your personal brand in your local market, attract and convert agents into referral partners, plus done for you proven marketing materials and plug and play content to make promoting your class, getting agents butts and seats, partnering with affiliates real easy. But that's not all. You'll also get access to our weekly mastermind calls with top LOs, authors, speakers, and coaches to learn the best strategies to grow your business right now in today's market. And as an extra bonus for a limited time, for all new members, you'll get access to a database of 200 agents in your local market that have closed anywhere to, from eight to 50 transactions in the last 12 months. And we'll provide that list upload into our platform for you so you can get off to a fast start in reaching actually productive agents. So what are you waiting for? You can check out more at mortgagemarketing.pro, see more of the success stories there. And if you feel compelled to do so, book a call. We'll have a chat. We'll see if it's a fit. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your mortgage business to the next level right now. Head over to mortgagemarketing.pro.